to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. And if you, like me, have ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, and somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is a marketing communications professional with a career spanning more than 20 years, starting as a music publicist working with Lawrence Welk-owned Vanguard Records and evolving through working with customer technology brands and filling her soul by working with philanthropies that included the National Aboriginal Rights Action League and Planned Parenthood. Her work and career have led her by her passions, almost always involving music and, music and technology. Recently joined Next Tech Communications, a woman-led agency born from the Bliss Group. As vice president, I am excited to introduce Michelle Anderson to my Uncharted Journeys audience and welcome, Michelle. Hi, Kathy. It's so nice to meet you and I'm really excited to be here. This is awesome. Well, I'm so happy to have you, and uh, we're catching you between gigs, so I gave a little bit of an intro, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're moving to? Um, my my next, uh, I'm actually starting on Monday, so I have not started yet, but um, I've had in-depth conversations and just love these people already. Um, and joining Next Tech Communications as a vice president, um, they are an offshoot of the Bliss Group, as you mentioned um, in my bio. And um, and the thing that I really love about it is that they are all about the sort of the next generation of technology and um, and moving into that area. And that it's a women um, a women led agency. And um, I I just think that's a really interesting concept. There are a lot of PR people. Um, that are women, um, I, I think a greater preponderance of them. But um, to have a women-led agency is it's going to be interesting. And, um, and the people are just lovely. So I'm very excited about that. Well, that's fantastic. I'm always uh, excited to hear about uh, successful organizations that are that have come from a, a birth of, of, a, of a group of like minds, whether it be from um, gender or, you know, from a, an area or nationality. So mm -hmm. um, women in tech too. I mean, that's awesome. And interestingly enough, I started my career off and well, I started my planned career off in, in PR. I took a graduate degree in public relations. Oh, and wow. After a, after a very short time and it realized that's really not my gig. <laughs> so I moved on from there. It's a, it's a, it's a tough career. It really is because a lot of it is not tangible. You know, it's not tangible measurements. It's sort of like in this influence that um, it is a hard career, but it's also, you know, extremely exciting and rewarding. So um, you, get, you get caught up in the drama. <laughs> yeah, and I suspect after 20 years of being in it, I mean, that would have been when I started about 20 years ago. And I can, uh, I did some time uh, filling in for um, our PR person at IBM. Um, I was internal comms executive support and she was PR. And of course, you, you support each other when you're on holidays and whatnot. So I had to take over Catherine's gig for a couple of weeks. And Oh my gosh, I, you know, I have no problem pulling together the press release and doing the press packets and things like that. But it was the constant calling of people and tracking down the reporters and getting on the disc list and things like that. And I suspect you have seen a massive evolution with technology on how that is all done. I mean, it's no longer about the paper cuts and the staplers and, and, and sending things out ahead of time with embargoes. Now it's, it's briefings and emails and <laughs> creative you know getting attention it's it's true and um some of my older colleagues and i laugh about um the clip book and um sitting there with scissors 
um, tape and glue and um, getting the package from Burrell's with the clips and hand creating this. Now we have technology. Um, one of my favorites is coveragebook.com. And it basically, you just, um, you, you just copy something, you copy the links into the, the book and it makes a clip book. Um, that is, that is amazing in itself because that saves so many hours. Um, and, um, you know, about the calls, it's funny because one of the reasons why I was so good when I first started in technology was because I had been a publicist and a self self-taught publicist and um, very entrepreneurial. And I didn't realize how my talents for calling, calling media and calling people, um, would translate into, you know, into a PR career because I was just a publicist. Um, so it, it was really interesting to, to experience that. So I was on the phone all the time, but now people don't want to talk on the, the reporters don't want to talk on the phone anymore. So it's all about, and I'm really adaptable and I love technology. So now it's about a really well-crafted email with all of the resources that we need to get their attention. But newer people don't even know how to call the media anymore. And that's a common complaint I hear, you know, when I talk to other, to agencies uh, overall is that they don't, you know, the more junior people don't understand how to call media. And um, so that's part of my thing is, you know, like there's a balance between the two, um, between the calling and the really good writing, you know? Well, I think one feeds into each other. And it's, it's interesting that you started off as a, as a publicist, not against something that, you know, you get up in grade one and go, I want to be a publicist when I grow up. So what is the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Um, it was definitely writing. Um, I've always been really into writing. Um, I wrote my first book. At, this is uh, this is funny. I wrote my first book at seven. Um, I used the old little Xerox pads that had glue on them, and I wrote a and I wrote a little book called The Male Ladybug, which will tell you basically um, my sense of humor at that time. I thought it was really funny that um, that there was a ladybug that was a guy, and um, so I wrote a whole book on it. Um, you know, all of like twelve pages, uh, but that that sort of influenced um, or informed me of like what my sense of humor was going to be like and um, and my my love for writing. And so I've done writing, a lot of writing over the years. I was a screenwriting major in college. Um, I have that arts background um, that a lot of people in PR do and um, feel like they need to go in a more practical direction. And, um, and since I've written for, you know, music magazines, I've written for Spin, um, a, a bunch of like smaller zines, and been able to kind of do what's fun for me. And um, what I found is that in developing and honing my writing as I went along, even for just fun, um, became like my writing is really excellent now. I, I can safely say that, um, that I'm really proud of my writing. And so now I write technical, technical articles um, for tech publications. So. so you wanted to get into writing and you did, which is, uh, you know, not everybody ends up uh, fulfilling what they dreamed of as a, as a kid, whatever formation that, that takes later on. Was there someone that really influenced you on the writing side or something that inspired you to be a writer? That's a that's an interesting question um, because it wasn't so much on the writing side. I don't know where that came from, except for a love of books. And um, I had there was a woman who was who was my um, my mom's boyfriend's sister who lived with us, and she taught me to read at a very early age, like pre kindergarten. 
And, um, and that I feel like just paved the way for my entire life. And I became an avid book reader and, um, and I love the words on the page. I love the transportation, um, you know, that, that um, books gave me and um, a way out of, you know, any difficult situations and a way to tune out. Um, and so her teaching me to read at that age probably was the, she, she was such an amazing woman and she was a teacher and um, she's still one of my favorite per- persons to this day, although she has long passed on. I'm very close with her daughter. So that was a that was a huge that was a huge thing very very early in life. With this love of writing and, and reading, is there a song you talked about? You know, writing for music. The fact that you wrote for Spin is like super cool. Um, <laughs> is there uh, is there a song that epitomizes your career path? Um, I feel like it's well, Iggy Pop is one of my is one of my favorite artists. Um, he collaborated with Bowie in the Berlin years, um, made some amazing music during that time, and um, he has a song called "The Passenger," and it's about him riding the um, the Berlin uh, S-Bahn line, and um, and Bowie is in the background doing vocals, and and I just always like that because it's it's a really simple um, it's a really simple almost mundane act that he's going through, but with many surprises along the way. And that's what I feel like um, has really epitomized my career. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing my career. I'm doing tech PR, um, but I've had these things along the way that have been really inspiring and interesting and fun. And I just always, um, I always follow that and can't wait to see what's next. Love that. That's great. And Iggy Pop, I mean, so underrated, you know, oh. generation missing by a generation this year. I, my, my daughter would I've I've instilled in her the love of, of that kind of music, Bowie and Tones on Tail. And I have I have neglected my parental duty. I must introduce her to Iggy Pop. He'd fallen off my radar. So thank you for the reminder. No problem. And if you do, if you do a, um, a playlist, you can do um, the same songs from Bowie and Iggy Pop. They did the same songs. Um, oh, so great we'll, idea. <laughs> so there you go. Love that. Okay, <laughs> cool. Thank you. Um, see, we're just, we go with the flow here on Uncharted Journeys. Now, if your your career would be a street name, if it was an actual road, what would it be called? I, I want to say Sunset Boulevard um, in LA because Sunset Boulevard is, um, it's a long road. It's got, it's got a lot of different, um, different parts to it. There's posh parts, there's, there's, but particularly the rock and roll, um, the part of it where the clubs are and the people are, and um, there's a lot of traffic. So it's kind of stop and go. <laughs> so um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, Sunset Boulevard might be, might be my choice for that. <laughs> All right. I like that. That uh, that makes it a very eclectic career. So I think that yes. fits, fits well. And, you know, you, you talked about so many different things. So author, publicist, technology, um, working with music and all of that kind of thing. What has that journey looked like? How have you gone from being a screenwriter uh, major to PR in, in the tech space? Well, here's the thing is when I was a screenwriting major, I was, I went to Loyola Marymount university down in LA. And, um, and so I went to film school, um, as part of what I was doing and my major was considered communications. So I have a BA in communications. Um, that has been, that was one of the most incredible, you know, unknowing choices I could have made is to have a BA in communications because what I learned during that time and school was very extremely valuable to me. 
Um, what I learned during that time was everything about radio, um, television, and um, and I actually started out as um, as a computer science major. So I was programming and taking engineering classes, but I couldn't couldn't pass the math classes. Um, so I was getting A's in engineering and um, and D's in math, and I was in bonehead math. So it was kind of ironic. So switching to communications enabled me to take advantage of you know new technologies, which were very nascent at that time, and. Um, and sort of combine everything. But I learned about the technicalities of radio. I was a DJ, you know, technicalities of radio, film, script writing, um, production, and all of that. And that, um, it's, so what I really understand is media and um, the different mediums and how they, each channel is impactful. Um, and um, I just understand it intrinsically now. It's really, it's kind of interesting that, it could parlay so long into my future career without me knowing the direction that I was going. Such a, it was such an organic shift for you. I mean, if you're getting D's in math, that's the world telling you that maybe that's, you know, maybe you should get out of math. Um, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you just had really bad professors. You know, there's probably a balance in between the two. So in, in shifting from that, recognizing that you have an apt for aptitude for technology, um, people don't get A's in engineering if you don't have an aptitude for how things work and being able to see that systemic and, and logical aspect of things. Um, and then combining with something so, so creative as film and script writing, but also, again, leaning into the, 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 the um, technical side of things with production and, and those elements was there a defining moment, a decision, a class, maybe an activity that, you know, really said, yes, this is where I want to go. PR is it for me. I, I, it's, it takes all the elements that I love to do. Or was it just one of those things that happened and you went with the flow? Um, it was one of those things that happened and I went with the flow. Um, my, um, I had a job as a, as a tape operator and I thought I wanted to go into like production. Um, and um, it just wasn't, you know, I liked the technical aspects of it, but it just wasn't for me. So um, I took a job, you know, it was just meant to be a job at the time, but it was with a music company, um, which is, was my sort of my second choice um, because I've been very passionate about music. So, um, so yeah, I actually worked for Lawrence Welk out of college and, um, and they had purchased Vanguard Rec records, which is a legendary blues and jazz label um, and classical label out of New York. And um, so basically what I did was um, as the secretary to the president, I was just the secretary to the president. I built their entire internal communication system um, for the marketing department, the sales department, and um, and the PR and promotions department, um, I built all of the, uh, their databases, and and I'm talking about like early '90s. Um, and so it's interesting because that was my natural aptitude was to take something and build upon it, and um, that is really where I got my start in doing publicity and promotion. Um, and I did my own uh, like dance clubs in LA as well. And I had to promote those. So it just all sort of um, came together um, in terms of, look, I have a marketable skill. So when I left Lawrence Welk um, and yes, I had been in his office and played miniature golf on his porch. Um, he was still alive at the time. And, um, and I moved to San Francisco. 
I started being an independent publicist. Um, and those are the skills that I had gained over the next three years, where, and it was all entrepreneurial. So I worked for myself for many, many years. Um, I say many, many. It was about six. <laughs> so, And then real quick, I went into – my friend was joining a PR agency, and um, he, he said, you need to talk to these people. And they had music clients, like tech and music clients, like Thomas Dolby's company. And um, so and Thomas Dolby ended up becoming my client and I joined them and that's where I got to marry everything, the music, the technology, the, the writing, the, the sort of the entrepreneurialism and the larger vision. Um, I got to unite into a real what really solidified my career. I can't, I'm still back on, you played mini golf with Lawrence Welk. I mean, he wasn't there because he was sick. Um, He was, he was declining. And I actually worked on the, um, this sounds weird, but I worked on the publicity around his death. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) Yes, I did. So that was, that was a trip. You know, and, and again, that's one of the things with, you know, the world being digital. um, And I suppose they were probably doing it. Well, they were doing it pre-digital because, of course, you know, you did it. But, you know, you think about the the top celebrities and world leaders in the world. That's all planned out. Something happens to them. The obit is written. They know where it's going to be held. They know, like, they know the, 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 prom- the promotion. I shouldn't say promotion, but, the, you know, how it's going to be televised. So, you know, that's you were just ahead. Again, you were ahead of your time in, in that area. I have to. I would love to. I'm sorry, but to interrupt, I'd love to share one story, though, because um, when I was a publicist, and this relates to my technology, is I was realizing that, you know, with the advent of, um, of all of the um, Napsters and, and that world, I started sending my clients um, recordings to reporters on emailing them on um, in MP3s. And the reporters were either really, really angry because they couldn't, they didn't have the technology to access them or thought I was brilliant. So it was, so I was trying that before, you know, long before it was a common practice because that was the fastest way I could get the music out to the reporters. Um, so that was, that was a controversial move. Um, and I knew it um, and I took it anyway. <laughs> Good for you. Got to take risks, right? So you know, and that's one of the things with PR these days and promotion, any kind of promotion. Um, I was just having this conversation with um, within a, a community that I'm a part of and how um, you're almost expected to start new gigs with your own audience, that you're bringing something to the companies that they can therefore leverage. Like, you know, you're, you've, you've got sort of table stakes. And so... As you move into this new role on Monday, very exciting. You got three days of, you know, we always get try and get stuff done but between gigs, right? And I'm not sure if you're taking the time to relax or if you're organizing your closets. But as you get ready for Monday, what are you most excited about? You know, are you, what do you think some of the challenges are or compromises that are going to be? You know, working in what I'm going to assume is a predominantly woman-employed employee base. Um, which is typical in PR anyways, as you mentioned earlier on, but you know, are you, are, what's, what's got you wishing that tomorrow morning was Monday? Um, I am so excited. I'm so thrilled about this because of the, partly because of the people. Um, and some, and I, this is a little bit of a diversions, but most, most, one of the most important things to me is emotional intelligence, which is very, very talked about these days. And there's a realization that 
emotional intelligence is needed um, in order to, in my opinion, to conduct business. And um, what, so the opportunities that I have going into this, um, you know, starting next week are, are just so vast. And that's why it's so exciting for an entrepreneurial kind of person like me. Um, and that is working with um, the staff that are already there, building out the agency because it is very small, um, working with people both um, both junior and senior, and, um, and then building out um, sort of the systems and methodologies for this the relatively new agency, um, you know, having an influence on the types of clients, but, you know, down to the brass tacks of like, how do we get media for, um, and how do we get media, you know, attention for these clients? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what they want. Um, with the recognition that they also need, whether they realize it or not, they need strategic guidance. And um, so I get to take my 20 years of, of um, seeing companies rise and fall to dot-com busts and, um, and counsel clients on their next steps. But it's really, it's kind of about building, building a new, building out the systems. And, um, and I relate it to emotional intelligence because that is going to be necessary, even if it's counterintuitive, to do that and to work with the team. And we do have, um, there are men there as well. And, um, and I do not distinguish between, you know, men and women. I'm just, um, I, it's, it's more about the people and the kind of people they are. Well, it sounds like an incredible opportunity that I'm, I'm like you, I like to build things. I love going in and, um, you know, so much of what you said when you talked about, you know, going into the, to Vanguard and building their comm system, that's how I got into technology was I was working for an organization. They didn't have an intranet at the time. We had grown to a point where, you know, communications was getting harder. I was doing the hard copy, you know, 11 by 18 fold newsletter that I was printing and, you know, laying out on my, all, on my own. And I thought, oh, I'd be cool. We're a technology company. It would be cool if we had an internal <laughs> communications tool. So I built one. I'd never coded before. So I built one. And then I'm like, huh, you know what? Our annual report should probably be digital. Let's see what that looks like. So <laughs> I was very fortunate to work for people that in, enabled and encouraged my curiosity and my drive to, to do things. So it sounds like you've found a sweet spot at, at, with the Bliss Group um, and uh, what you're going to be doing. But in another world, in another land, if you weren't doing PR in the tech space, what would you be doing? I'd probably do, well, I'd probably be doing the same thing, but um, on another planet. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it, but in music. Um, I mean, I left music because um, I felt like there was a lack of vision in where the, the industry was going and the artists were going to suffer and um, that you needed to pivot and adjust um, what, how you were, you know, the channels that, and this is where all my training comes in, um, the channels that you were using for distributing the music. Um, and I felt like that vision was, was lacking in the music industry. Um, but I would probably still be in the music industry, just like maybe trying something very, very new or, um, I, I don't know. It all, it all comes, comes back to tech and music. I don't know. Um, yeah. either that or maybe <laughs> one of these days I will finish that book. So, you know, never too old to finish a book. Maybe there's a second edition of the male ladybug. Yes. Yeah. It needs to be expanded out because um, unfortunately he, um, he passed away at the end of it. Um. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> 
that's not how to build a franchise. No, Just telling you, no. you don't want to kill off your main character. Yeah, that much I learned. <laughs> so I'm curious, tell me about finishing this book. What can you give us a name or a genre or? Um, no. Um... <laughs> Okay. No, um, in all you, heard, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. No, I know. I just, I just want to tell stories, and um, you know what I feel like. Um, uh, David Sedaris, okay, is an example of somebody that I really like his writing and his style because he, it's very episodic, and um, and I feel like if I was going to, um, you know, finish that book, it would be very much like David Sedaris. Like it's almost fictionalized. Um, but it's it's you know based on his experience and it's just, it's almost like short stories that are strung together and um, so I think that if it was going to be like that it might be personal um, it might be a humorous recording of um, stories and things that have happened to me over the years um, because there's there's enough of them to uh, <laughs> provide some fodder um, that would make it I guess it's humorous um, so all right well I look forward to that. Um... Our next conversation, you can tell us when it's coming out for publication. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, this has been just a lovely conversation. And um, so, I mean, the people you've worked with and for, um, fantastic. I mean, people are going to have to, some of our audience will have to go look up who some of these people are, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, and I recognize that, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, gender specific or whatnot, but we do have a different point of view. What would be your best piece of advice on on life and career and success? No matter what you think um, you can uh, you can or cannot do, um, d try and do it. Um, I mean, I've been led by a curiosity over the years as to, oh, I like this. This is interesting, and it's one thing seems to lead to another, you know. Um, and um, and don't let don't let imposter. I know everybody talks about imposter syndrome. And as a poor kid, I, I never felt entitled. Um, and what I want to say is don't let imposter syndrome, um, you know, sabotage, sabotage you. Um, and that that married with having the emotional and this is and this I feel is very um, something women can do very well is have emotional intelligence in your dealings in business. You don't have to be a jerk to be successful. Um, in my opinion. I love that. And uh, that's, that's in a nutshell, probably what I what I would say is lean into it um, and explore and don't be afraid um, of the future. Do what you want to do. And um, don't let people tell, it's very cliche, but don't let people tell you that you can't or don't let past experience hinder, hinder what you want to do. That is amazing experience and life experience advice. So thank you for that. Um, all right. So you're moving into a new gig. Uh, you got a lot on the go. So where can our audience find you? Are you doing any speaking engagements or are you writing anywhere? I'm, I'm LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm like the cobbler who has no shoes. Um, so I, um, you'll see you, the best place to find me is LinkedIn, and um, and I don't have any speaking engagements. You will see my writing, but you won't see my writing in under my name. It'll be under various executives. So um, yeah, anybody who wants to reach out to me, I take informational interviews, um, and. Um, to get to know people, I'm very open about um, being approached. So if if you can share a link to my profile, 
you know, anybody who wants to can feel free to um, message me and ask me questions or talk to me. I'm very open, open door. Thank you. That that is super helpful. There's there's so many who aren't. So I will absolutely include your LinkedIn uh, profile, a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, um, and uh, we will all look for that book of, of humorous and semi uh, semi semi fictional stories, right. and it will leave it to us to decide what's fictional and what's not. Right, um, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for making time to join me today and share your fabulous journey. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And to my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Michelle and hearing about how you can incorporate your passions into everything you do, which will lead you to an interesting journey and take chances to take on new opportunities to live what you love doing. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Danielle Dillabelle. Dilberti, uh, CEO of Sumsation and Senior Director of Eldridge Investments, and hear about how her hands-on leadership style and drive for operational efficiency has turned her into an entrepreneurial junkie. As always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Thank you.